Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, it is so great to have you with us for church today. Why don't you remain standing on your feet real quick because we're all gonna just start this new year off as we mean to go on. And I don't know about you, but I just wanna say that I hope that you've had a great Christmas. I hope that you've had an outstanding start to the new year. I mean, happy 2024 to every single one of you that calls Liverpool One Church their home. Whether you're joining us in the room or whether you're joining us online, We really do think that you've made a tremendous decision to just come and choose to commit to be in the local house, just the local church at the start, at the outset, at the first Sunday in 2024, when we get the opportunity to really experience what it is to be a follower of Jesus and trusting and pursuing God with all that we have in a community of believers together. So I'm excited for what God is going to do in every single one of our lives today, but I don't think that that's ever going to happen unless we right-size God first. So why don't we all just close our eyes and bow real quick as we pray. Emma, why don't you pray us in? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity, God, of going again at the start of another year, Lord. And what we would say is, is the beginning of something new. We get the chance, the opportunity to go again. And I pray, Father God, that we right-size you, we right-place you, we continue to look to you, that this year, as the song has just sung, Lord God, is full of promises over our lives from heaven. And God, it is our responsibility to access those promises, God, by stepping in to all of your goodness this year. So I pray, God, as we, as we, unfold this message at the start of a new series that God will hear from you in ways that we've not heard from you before that this year won't be like last but it will bring a newness it will bring a newness of you and it will bring a new level of us being able to hear from heaven so Father God I pray in these next few moments that you unscramble our thoughts and our words and help us to eloquently speak from your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 Church, go ahead and take your seats. We're going to jump into today's talk, and we're going to to start 24, and we're going to do this together. I... um, I would love to know, we have a spinning table right here, that's pretty cool, and we have one glass to share, I like that, so I'm going to give that to you. It's so. for me. Um, I, I, I would love to be able to go around and ask every single one, like, have you made any New Year's resolutions? And I want to know, like, if you started them on the first, have you been able to keep to them? I mean, bearing in mind, we're just a few days into January, I've already had one of my friends tell me, like, oh yeah, I started something, but, but I've already quit it. But the reality of it is, is that we're never going to be afforded that opportunity um, in church today, but I, I would love to know, have you made any New Year's resolutions this year? Have you stuck to them so far? That is not in the script. <laughs> well, I would love to just put you on the spot and ask, have you made any New Year's resolutions? Um, so I stopped doing resolutions a long time ago, but I did actually make a New Year's resolution to myself, but I don't want to tell you because <laughs> you'll hold me to it. <laughs> 
You should definitely, you don't need to tell me, I won't listen, but you should tell your church family, okay? So one, two, three, off you go. <laughs> oh dear, to be a better timekeeper. oh well you've already broken that this morning can i say like literally stop stop like if one of the biggest tensions tensions in our whole house okay but that's not about that that's another message that's next week's okay it's coming then i don't know what january feels like for you but in our world I think that January, in part, it kind of feels like it's a month where everything starts to quieten down just a little bit, especially off the back of all of the excitement and all of the busyness of Christmas and New Year. And I think that when everything starts to get quiet in our world and we start to reorganize and reinitiate new things and we start to go back into our schedule and we've got the school run coming and we're back in the office and life just starts to normal out. It's often a time for most people where they do want to try and make some changes and many people make New Year's resolutions. Um, Not everybody keeps to them though. But for me, I'm not actually wanting to kind of give you a talk today about New Year's resolutions because I'm probably not a fan of them. Um, I prefer a concept and a lot of the people that I would read um, would talk about a thing called habit stacking rather than trying to make one great big change in one go. I think it's way more effective to just kind of make 1% incremental improvements over a longer period of time. And what that kind of looks like is rather than saying, hey, I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. It just means just join a gym and go once a week because when you're going once a week, it's a whole lot easier to go twice a week. But the reality of it is is that we don't really want today's talk to be about New Year's resolutions. We don't really want it to be about life skills. Um, We don't really, even though we believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, it makes you better at life and your life better. We don't necessarily want today to be about some of those things today. Actually, what we want to do is to dig deep into your spiritual life, because the reality of it is, is that we are a church. That's the real reason why we gather. We gather because we are followers of the red text. We're followers of Jesus. We're here to lift up his name and pursue him with a passion, with all that we have. And I want to maybe try and talk to you all now as our lives start to quieten down just a little bit about, you know, how are you doing in your spiritual life? Because I think that for many of us, probably what we all know to be true is that if you think of your relationship with Jesus, if you think on your relationship with your heavenly father, chances are there are many of you that might even look back on 2023 and think and feel like you just weren't where you once were. Like perhaps you just weren't as strong in your faith or you didn't feel as close to God in your faith as you have done previously. And for many of you, you're coming into 24 and you're carrying that same burden and that tension of feeling like, I just don't feel like God is as close to me as he once was. I just don't feel like I'm as strong in my faith now at the start of a new year as I once was at another point in life. And there'll be a whole bunch of indicators that will speak into this. I mean, you feel a little bit different. You feel a little bit jaded in your health life. And I don't really want to talk about any of the other stuff, going to the gym, losing the weight, you know, stop drinking alcohol. I don't want to talk about any of those things until we speak about the most important relationship that we 
all have going on in our life first and ask the question, how are you doing there? And is there anything that we can practically implement at the start of this new year to see you end the year strong and healthy in terms of your relationship with God. So I think that the reason why I want to say and talk about that is because even the writer of Hebrews, he he puts it to us almost as a little bit of a warning that sounds a little bit heavy, but this is what he writes. He says in Hebrews 2 verse 1, he says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. And what he's trying to do is pitch to us this idea that it is possible for you to drift away. That's why for some of you, you don't feel as close to God as you have done at some point. It's because whether you recognise it or not, you've drifted away. It's a possibility that you could be going all guns blazing out for God one month, and then in the next month, it's quiet, it's still, it doesn't happen in a loud forming fashion, but you drift away. And over time, over a year, you can end up feeling like you've drifted away and you're a million miles away from God, and you're not able to have that strong faith life that you so desire. So what we want to try and do today is speak into a little bit of that because we've both learned that drifting is possible and it tends to happen in two ways. Either you drift away or you drift along and both are incredibly dangerous. The only difference is one's really easy to spot because when you drift away from God, when you drift away from God in terms of your faith life, You know it, you can feel it, you can sense it. Like you can even be in church but feel so distant. You you know that you've drifted away because you have zero prayer life anymore. You have zero daily godly honouring habits of reading God's word every day. You have zero appetite to be in a community of people like this, to worship with raised hands and with a passionate embrace. Like you know that you've drifted away and you feel it. But the bigger problem that I think affects most of us is not when you drift away, it's when you're drifting along. And when you're drifting along, it's a lot harder yeah, to spot because right. when you're drifting along, God can feel equally as distant yeah. and yet it's so confusing to you because practically you're still doing all the right things. Like on paper, you're still turning up at church. For some of you, you're still serving in church. You're still doing what practically you think is the right thing to do. And yet you equally feel just like God is a million miles away. And you feel like your faith life has become so much weaker over the number of months, maybe at the back end of last year. You're almost looking at 24 saying, I don't think I could ever be close to God again in the way that I have been in our past. And I think that we just want to kind of talk into that because unless we can give you some God-honoring habits, that's going to be the story and the narrative of your 24. And if you're sat there thinking right now and going, well, I've definitely not drifted away, but maybe you're wondering, am I drifting along? Well, the thing is, there are always some markers on the gauges. And let me tell you like this. If you're drifting away, you're going to feel it. But if you're drifting along, you're going to speak it. 
And you might not recognize it, but I promise you there will be people in your world that absolutely do. You see, when you're drifting along, you can still be in church, but man, you're so negative. You can still be in church, but instead of going home and celebrating the wins and the conversations that you did have, you become critical and everything's a problem and everything's a drama. And what I'm saying is, is that if you feel like, because the scriptures tell us that the mouth always speaks the overflow of the heart, if you're wondering, am I drifting away? Then look at that. Feel it. If you do feel it, perhaps you've drifted away. Or if you're drifting along, ask yourself the question, what's your talk like? How do you speak? You want to be really dangerous? Ask your spouse and say, hey, what's my conversation like? Because I promise you, if your speech is off and the things that you used to count as being a blessing, even being a part of a church, now feel like a curse. Like, oh gosh, (laughs) do we have to do this? Like seriously, if I was leading that team, it would be so much better. Can you believe how disorganized this is? I mean, I promise you, if you're drifting away, you're going to feel it. But if you're drifting along, you're going to speak it. And you might not see it, but I promise you, people in your world will be so aware of it. So I'd like us to kick off and maybe start to say like, what can we do to try and avoid drifting away or drifting along? So good. And just so interesting and something you just said then sparked a thought of, we always treat January like a new beginning, like we're going to begin again with all the habits that Luke just spoke about. But if you go to the book of Genesis where God began, right? He began with his words and it was the way he speak. God said, and it was so. So I think that's a massive key, that change, your habits change the way you speak. And we're going to look at that a little bit later on as well. But honestly, if you want to see something created different in your life, it's mainly down to the way you speak about the partner, the relationship, the health problem, the finances, the family. How do you talk about them? Because God spoke and it was. So whatever you say, it will become. But that's not in my notes, but you just triggered that thought. You know, life has a natural flow. It has a trajectory that people call normal. It's what everybody else does, and it's the way everybody else has always done it. But as Christians, we're not called to live on the trajectory of normal. We're called to live above and beyond. In fact, when you read through the life of Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus often talked about two. He often talked about there being, you know, two roads. There's a high road and a low road. He talked about two houses. He talked about two trees. He talked about two gates. In other words, what he was saying is there's always options. There's always more than one way. He talked about a narrow gate and a wide gate. And he said that actually the majority of people want to do life by going through the wide gate. But I challenge you, if you want to live out God's best for your life and you want to see the goodness of God on your life, Jesus said you've got to go through the narrow gate, which is not doing what everybody else is doing. If I don't want to drift off course, I cannot look around at whatever everybody else says is normal and try to copy or mimic or or be like everyone else that I see in my workplace or on social media. I've got to know what it is to do life by going through the narrow gate. The purpose of us coming together as a church collectively is so that we can teach you, we can learn from the word of God together right? It's our responsibility to teach you from God's word. It's our responsibility to encourage you in God's word. But it's also our responsibility to challenge you 
in God's word. Because unless something is challenged, it doesn't have an opportunity to grow, right? So true. It's like it's only when a muscle is challenged that it has a that it has an opportunity to push against that resistance and strengthen itself. So you know it's no good coming to church every single week and getting stroke me messages. There are gonna be times and seasons where the word of God is gonna challenge you, but it's in the challenging that your faith life has an opportunity to grow. And this series that we're gonna go into, it's not gonna be that comfortable, just easy peasy series to listen to. It's gonna challenge some things in your life, but it's for your benefit and for your help and to be able to help you to grow. It's going to push your relationship with God into an intentional relationship with God rather than a typical relationship with God. Because we all have a typical relationship with God, right? It's the way I've always prayed. It's the way I've always worshipped. It's what I normally do. Yeah, but I don't do it like this. I talk to God in this way. It's how I've always done it. Okay, we're not going to do typical this year. We're going to be intentional. And we're going to do it collectively as a church. You know, if we want to see God in our lives, at work in our lives, and we want to prevent ourselves from drifting, then we are going to have to be more like the salmon who swim upstream. Because you all know about the salmon, right? Salmon don't swim in the same direction as every other fish. Most fish go along with the current of the river. Whatever the current of the river is going, the fish go with it, along with the debris, along with any other life form, along with rocks and shells. Everything gets swept along with the current. But the salmon, they put all of their energy and effort into swimming against the current. And while everything is moving downstream, the salmon are making their way upstream because they understand the best spawning grounds for them are up stream. And I'm going to say this as I read it. It says that salmon have this built, inbuilt instinct that understand the best spawning grounds to produce self-sustaining healthy fish populations are upstream and not downstream. And I don't sit, know if you can see the parallels that I'm drawing here, but God knows the best life for you the healthy life for you, where you are going to be sustained, where you are going to be fed, is not to go with the flow of what everyone else is doing, but it's to go against the flow and say, I'm going to do things the biblical way. I'm going to follow the patterns of Jesus rather than the patterns of the world. It's going to take effort It's going to take going against the flow can often look like being criticized and hitting times of difficulty, but this is what the salmon know. They know that there is good food source that is easy to come by at these spawning grounds. They know that the places they're headed to have the best food supply and all the other fish have passed them by. All the other fish have overlooked this one particular area and they also know this, it's the perfect environment for young salmon to grow big enough to become formidable predators themselves. Let me tell you something, right? It is not the fact that you pray that separates you from the world because everybody prays when a crisis hits their world. The world pray when a crisis hits their world, okay? But what God wants you to do is not be the type of people who just pray when I have a need and pray when I have a problem, pray when I have a crisis, 
God wants you to be the type of people who are praying against the tactics of the enemy before it advances on your life, before the problem comes, before the trials come, before God says you can get to a place where you are strong enough to stand against his plans. And that happens when we choose not to drift, but we are intentional about going against the flow and saying, God, I want to go to the place where your word is feeding me. God, I want to go to the place where I'm going to be safe and I'm going to be set up strong. And so, you know, the world prays and we don't want to be like the world. And and Jesus said in John 14, he said, Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Yeah. So many people throw up prayers, but they don't know who they're praying to. Some people are praying to trees and stars and their inner selves. But let me tell you, there's only one name that can make a difference to the situation in your world. His name is Jesus. And he said, when you ask anything in my name, yeah. I will do it. Mm. The problem is we're not always asking in his name. And so over these next couple of weeks, at the outset of this year, we're diving into this subject, resist the drift, but we're going to be looking specifically at prayer and fasting for a period of time as a church. What is it? How do we do it? How effective is it? And because we know, right, that when we are intentional with God, it gets God's attention for us. Yeah, and I think that it is definitely something that I don't ever recollect having done this church-wide before. I know that we've maybe in the past done things through life groups, and I know that maybe even as a smaller team, we've done pockets. But one of the things that we're quite excited about, because we want to be really intentional about starting this year out so that our relationship with our Father in heaven is like it used to be. Or maybe if you've never had or experienced the closeness of God in your life, that you find it and you feel it for the very first time. So what we're going to be inviting our whole church family to do is to start a period of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, what I will need you to do, because some of you have just freaked out and gone like, I've got to pray for 21 days. That's right, you have. 24 hours a day, solid. You have to, no, I'm joking. Just don't freak out. But what I want you to do is just travel this journey with us and perhaps don't look at today's message in isolation, but rather keep turning up throughout January because we're going to be continuously speaking into this concept and we're going to be continually adding bolts and nuts onto it so that it makes this routine easier for you. But in essence, what we're inviting you to do is to start on Monday the 8th, running all the way through to Sunday the 28th, is 21 days of praying and fasting. So I think that maybe a good place for me to start talking about this concept would just be to maybe initiate a talk or an idea about why would we want to do that and why would we want to pray anyway? Because I know that many of us do have a routine of 
praying. For some of us, it might be in the car on the way to nursery or on the way to school. For others of you, it might be in the car on the way to the office whilst you shout out a quick prayer. You know, God, keep my wife safe today. Keep my kids safe today. Give me a great day and let me get the sales contract over the line. We're used to praying those kind of prayers, but that's not the kind of prayer that I'm actually gonna be inviting you into over these next 21 days. But honestly, hand on heart, this is what I think. If you're willing to just travel this route with us for 21 days, doing this has the absolute potential to revolutionize your entire relationship with Jesus. I mean, if you've ever felt or if you're in a season right now where you're feeling like you've just been drifting and you don't want to anymore, well, if you want to stop the rot, the idea is, is come on this journey and commit to 21 days of praying and fasting with us as a church family. And I promise you, you're going to feel different. You're going to have a different attitude. You're going to speak different. The way in which you view God is going to be different. You're going to feel his presence in your life. It's going to be, I promise you, this has the absolute ability to change everything in your world in the way in which you relate to God. And I think that what I want to start by saying is this, whilst there are many different ways to pray, and actually throughout this series, we're going to be releasing multitudes of information about different types of prayer and how to pray. And we're going to be going deep from, uh, on some of this because hopefully it will just give you a broadened understanding of exactly what it's like to follow God and do this daily. But I would want to start off by saying, this is my reason, okay? This is my reason why I pray. And this might not be the same for M. It might not be the same for everybody. But I was asking myself the question, what do I really think the benefits of a daily prayer life actually is in my life? Like for me. And what I have found is that when I have a daily habit of choosing to commit a portion of time in prayer, I find that I have more confidence, I find that I'm more creative, and I find that it is a calming assurance in my life. So for me, why do I pray daily? And not just the in the car, whilst you're en route to somewhere, the rapid fire, quick shout out prayer. Yeah, I do that too. And I think that God hears that. But the type of prayer that I'm going to be talking to you about, and I'm going to give you a framework for how to go about this, does this in my life. It gives me confidence. It makes me more creative. And it's calming and soothing to my soul. But I was wondering why is it that most of us struggle with prayer? And I have too. In fact, even we've had many disagreements in our own married life about how we pray and when we pray and when we pray together, because like, I think that we do it a little bit differently, but I think that God's okay with that, but you've got to find your own flow and your own routine that works for you. But unless you figure out the real reason why you don't pray first, the next 21 days are going to be a long haul slog for you. And I think, or I have a suggestion to put to you and say, I think the real reason why we struggle with prayer, me too sometimes, the real reason why you struggle with praying is not because it's kind of, it gets boring or your mind wanders or you're not too sure how to do it. It's actually because you're not convinced of its value in your life. Yet when you become convinced of the value of prayer in your life, I promise you, it will be the habit that just keeps on going and growing. When you become convinced that prayer is transformational, like it changes things, it's practically able 
able to make a huge difference in your life, when you become convinced of that, all of a sudden, it's not just about like the rapid fire, quick fire car prayers anymore. All of a sudden, it's not just about the, the prayer that you pray once a night as your head hits the pillow and every time you fall asleep within two minutes anyway. It's no longer about those things. It's actually something that you become so convinced that God hears you and God knows you yeah. and God loves you that it becomes this thing in your life that, man, it just gives you confidence. It means that you're more creative and actually it's a calming presence to your soul. So I do think, though, that as we journey this out over the next coming weeks, there are three things that I want you all to know up front. Don't worry if you don't know everything going into the start of tomorrow, but these are the three things that I want you to know about how to pray. These are the three things that I think are most important. So if you're making notes today in your phone, in your book, get your notebooks out, write these three things down because if you haven't got these three things in play, things get hard. Firstly, you need to have prayer as a priority. Secondly, you need a place. Yeah. And thirdly, you need a plan. So effective prayer needs prayer as a priority. You need a place and you need a plan. Let me just break those three things down real quick. The first thing that I think that you need to try and employ, and for some of you it will be a brand new idea, is when we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm going to encourage you to make this a priority in your life and not just the back end of your day, not just trying to scrap around and find five minutes where you can. Maybe it's in between the school run and dinner. Like I'm saying, make this a priority. And honestly, I think, I mean, I can't say this with a huge degree of certainty, but from my own experience, I think this works better when you ask God first, at the first part of your day. In fact, even Jesus, in many of the gospel accounts, it always talks about when he went off to a place of prayer and solitude, he would always get up early in the morning to do it. Now, for all of you night owls, again, this is freaking you out. Get up early, are you mad? Well, perhaps, but hey, if you want to have the same results in life that everybody else has, do what everybody else does. Sleep in the extra 20 minutes. But if you want to end up in a different place in life, then you're going to have to do something that not everybody else is doing. That's yeah. why we're inviting you to say, well, why don't you come on this journey of 21 days of prayer and fasting? And to start with, make prayer a priority. Make it almost the first part of your day. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, oh God, you are my God and early I will seek you. Almost it carries this sentiment of before my day begins, yeah. before I go into the contract negotiation, before I go and do battle with yes. my wife, my husband, my kids, before I have to run around like crazy and get to A, B and C, before all of that starts, God, I am going to put you first. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have a coffee first or a shower first. You know, if you need 10 minutes, it's to wake up and gather your thoughts, that's absolutely fine. I'm not talking about like waking up and then starting to pray. I'm just encouraging you to wake up, do whatever it is that you need to do, and then create a window of time where you say, God, this is me putting you first. You're the number one priority in my life. I know that I've got a thousand and one things to do today, but you are the number one priority in my life. The second thing that you need to have is a place 
Now, let me tell you why I think you need a place, okay? Again, I think that God hears the the shout-out prayers in the car, but I think that Jesus tells us that we need a place. In Matthew 6, verse 6 in the message, it says this, here's what I want you to do, and he's talking about prayer, and actually he's talking about how I don't want you to pray like everybody else prays, and he was referring to the Pharisees that were stood on street corners shouting out aloud. He was saying, you don't want to pray like that. This is the model for how you should pray. He says, Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. In other words, put on a mask and put on a facade and try and make yourself out to be bigger and better than you really are. But I love what he goes on to say next about what you should do when you're in your place. He says this, just be there. simply and honestly as you can manage. That is the most liberating scripture on prayer that I've ever read. In other words, when I pray, I don't need to impress God. I don't need to impress my wife. I don't need to, I can just be there as honestly and as simply as I am and engage in a conversation with God. And then he tells us that the focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. I think that what Jesus was saying is, When you're not in a place, and for some it might be a chair, it might be a couch, it might be a space in your office, it might be a a room that's less busy in your house. I think the idea of what Jesus was trying to pitch was, if you're really going to build a healthy habit of a healthy prayer life, then it needs a place. And that place has to be, to the best of your ability, distraction-free. Because when you're praying and you're distracted by your phone, the laptop, the email, the kids, the husband, the thing, it's almost like it's not conducive to building an effective prayer life. So prioritize God first and then find a place. But then I think... You need to have a plan. And I think in two weeks' time, I'm going to give you a really clear plan of how we can go about doing this. But I think that for now, all I'd want you to know is this. In the same way that in your marriage or in your relationship, if you say to your wife, hey, should we go on a date? And she goes, hey, what do you want to do? And you go, I don't know. What do you want to do? And she goes, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And Should we just go and wing it and see what happens? Like, just hope for the best? It's not really the best grounding and framework to facilitate intimacy, right? But when you go and you say, hey, we're going to go and do this. We're going to have some fun. We're going to eat here. We're going to do something. And you've thought about it and you've planned about it. It just adds a grounding and a framework for intimacy to happen. And I think the same thing happens in your prayer life with God too. I think that there needs to be an element of a plan and not just going in there absolutely blind. So I'm so wanting to help Emma keep to her New Year's resolution of timekeeping, so I'm going to be really quick today, all right? This is my plan, and this isn't what you have to do, but this is how I start my prayers every single day, okay? I get my hands, and I have some music on, and I get my hands like this, and I put them down, and I face them palms down. And the very first thing that I do is I close my eyes, and I start to pray, and I start to think about everything that has been worrying me, that has been concerning me, that's making me anxious, that's that's likely to make my mind wander in the next number of minutes as I pray, the things that cause my heart to beat really quick, and I will literally start to name them off. And I'll say to God, God, these are the things that I'm overthinking on right now. These are the things that I want to lay down to you. These are the things that I want off my chest, and I want to give them to you. And then after a few moments, I'll turn my hands upwards and then I'll start to say a prayer and I'll say things like, God, I'm thankful that your peace can enter my life today. That's right. 
That's good. I'm thankful for your joy. I'm thankful that the joy that you give goes beyond all kinds of human understanding in the same way that the peace that you give goes beyond all our natural ability to understand. I'm thankful that that can come into my life today, even in spite of what I'm facing. So I receive your peace and I receive your joy. And then after I've gone palms up, palms down, I will then start to, firstly, I'll start to be thankful or I'll start to work my way through the Lord's Prayer. But what I'm asking you to do today is simply this. I want prayer to be the priority. I want you to find a place and I want you to have a plan. Like you can go palms up, palms down if that's the first part of your plan. You could almost have a list and say, God, today I wanna start off and I'm gonna start by being thankful. I'm gonna say thank you for Jesus, for you sending him to me as your one and only son. Like I can't believe you did that. I wanna be thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my staff. I'm thankful for my life group leaders. I'll often do that, but make sure that you, you have a plan and when you have a priority in place, a place that you can go to and a plan to start prayer, it can really be the most effective thing. So talk to us about fasting. Fasting. Yeah, I just want to say on that, you know, we are very different because if I close my eyes and put my hands palm down, I'd be expecting a manicure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fasting, we can often think of it as starving ourselves. And I want you to understand, right, that what we're setting you up with today is not a must-do, it's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to get closer to God. Fasting, biblical fasting, is where people would forgo food because they would say, I'm going to not feed my flesh, I'm going to feed my spirit instead. Instead of eating that food, I'm going to seek God. Instead, I'm going to replace that meal with prayer time instead. And, And... Over these couple of weeks, you're going to decide what that looks like for you, whether you miss two meals a week, whether you miss one meal every day, whether you just cut out for the next 21 days, I'm going to cut out bread, going to cut out chocolate, going to cut out meat, whatever it looks like for you, that's between you and God. So that's today's homework is I'm going to go home and I'm going to ask God, God, what is it? But it's got to be something that's a sacrifice, not something, oh, I'm going to cut out the chocolate because it's January anyway and I want to lose a few pounds. You've got to cut out something that is actually going to be a sacrifice. But what we must understand, and this is where the greatest misunderstanding comes in, right? Fasting is not us doing something to bend God's arm to do something for us. So true. That is not what fasting is. God has already done for us everything he's ever going to do. He sent his one and only son to die on a cross, be raised back to life so we could have a relationship with God. He's not going to do any more for us than he's already done, right? Fasting is about me aligning myself spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, coming into alignment with the purposes of God for my life so I can receive his blessing on my life. If I was to throw a ball from this platform, right? It's only the person, Matt Meany put his hand straight up. It's only the person who is in alignment with the ball who stands the chance of catching it. If I attached a £100,000 check to the ball and threw it, I promise you, you would move from where you are to do anything you could do to get into alignment to stand a chance of catching that ball. You will bend your shape body into the most impossible shapes, climb over whatever you have to climb over so that you stand a chance of getting the ball. 
You know, as we step into 2024, God has already pre-decided what he's going to do in his church. It's already done. He's already decided on the marriages he's saved, the relationships he wants to restore, the healings, the finances, the battles he's won. God has already done it. In other words, he's already thrown the ball in the air. He's looking for people who are going to align themselves to catch it. So you don't have to bend God's arm to do something for you in your life. You have to align your life to catch what he's already done. The purpose of fasting brings us into alignment to what God has already purposed to do. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he gave them the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. We're going to hear some of that in the coming weeks. But one of the lines in that pattern was, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when he's praying to God, he's not praying like many of us do. God, I need this and I want you to do this and can you do this? He's saying, God, what is your will? Put me in alignment with your will so what you've purposed in heaven can now be done on the earth. Praying is not about doing what we want, praying what we want, but God, what do you want for my life? What have you got planned for my life? I'm going to fast a little so I can hear clearly from you and put myself in alignment with you. I'm not fasting to get God to do something. I'm fasting to get into an agreement with what is already instructed because fasting puts my flesh under control. Fasting puts my feelings under control. So what I feel and what I want does not have a louder voice in my life than God. Fasting says, I need heaven more. I need heaven more than anything else on earth right now. So I'm going to sacrifice something on earth because I'm hungry for an answer from heaven. That's what fasting is. I'm not going to read through this text that I've got because time has gone. But I just want to share very quickly something that happened in the book of Daniel. It's a great book to read through if you want to know more about prayer and fasting. But when these boys were taken into captivity in Babylon, they weren't taken in to be whipped and beaten as slaves. Actually, they were selected by the king. And the king wanted to make them the wisest, most intelligent, noble, strongest young men. So they were taken, they were captured from Israel and taken into captivity in Babylon. And one of the specifications that the king made was that these boys would eat rich royal food from the king's kitchen. In other words, it was like Christmas Day every day with someone else doing the cooking. It was the finest cuts of meat. It was the choice wines. It was, they had it all. Now to us, that would be a luxury. But Daniel denied the food. He said, I don't want to eat like that partly because of his culture, but he also understood it's not good to give your flesh everything it desires, fancies, and wants. It's not good. And Daniel said, in fact, there's a great scripture in Daniel 1, verse 8 to 17, if you want to read it, but it says that Daniel would not defile himself by giving his flesh all the fancy foods. And he asked that he be fed on vegetables and water only for a period of 10 days. He said, test me and try me 
And if I am weaker than the other young men, or I am stronger than the other young men, you choose after 10 days, give me vegetables and water. And that is what happened. They fed Daniel on vegetables and water. And the other boys who'd eaten all the wines and the meats and all the luxury food, it says that Daniel was stronger. He was healthier. He was he was better, he was a better color. But it, then it goes on just to say this, and I'll just read this. Daniel and his friends, God gave them an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel a special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. What I want to say is that God made them smarter, wiser, clearer in every area of their life. And I don't know what it is that you're believing God for, but I'm telling you there are things in my life I need to hear from God on. I need to be smarter at. I need to be wiser. I need to be clearer. I need the energy and the strength to keep going for longer. And that's my reason for doing the fast. And so the challenge for you really is what can you give up? What can you deny yourself as a discipline for making space to hear from God? And we have got a tool to put in your hand that's really going to help you over the next couple of days. You're just going to very quickly yeah. tell us about that. Basically, what you'll be able to do, and um, Dave and Bex will get up in a few moments' time after we've sung more, and they're going to tell you exactly how you can go about getting this. But we've created like a 21-day, it's not a it's not a day-by-day prayer guide, but it's more of a study of prayer that will tie into this series of Resist the Drift. And not only will you be able to just download that as a PDF, so some of the points that you've heard us speak about today will be included within that guide but also what we've done is we've put a link and I just put a link of one of the tracks that I use almost daily okay and I gave you the shortest one that I could find that I use sometimes and it's a 16 minute 50 second music track and we've put the Spotify link on there so you can get hold of this the 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 study guide and also the uh, music track because I just think for me personally Having a 16-minute music track playing on my phone when I pray, it helps me stay focused. And also, when that ends, I know the 16 minutes is up, like I'm done. And I think that the reason why I'm saying 16 minutes, there's nothing holy about that time or that number at all. Um, It's not like if you go to 17 minutes, then you're going to have a bad day. Um, Or if you only do 15 minutes, you're a cheapskate. It's not like that at all. It just, I think that... I think that in Jesus' greatest hour of need, he only prayed for one hour. And I just think that it's, it's almost like it's the bare minimum that we should be doing, yeah. I think, 15, 16 minutes a day of at least being able to center ourselves, go palms up, palms down, and, and just true. spend time being communicative with God at the same time as maybe just denying yourself something. And it doesn't have to be meat like Emma's spoken about. It could be sugar. It could be alcohol. It could be a meal. You get to decide. But all we're asking you to do is at the end of today, download that study guide to your phone, download that Spotify link, and it really will help facilitate the next 21 days of prayer. And if we do that as a church, I think that we're all going to be stronger in our relationship with Jesus. Church, can we stand to our feet? Let's pray. I'm just reminded as we close right now about what the scriptures teaches us in James chapter four, verse eight, where it says that if you come close to God, then God will come close to you. But it's interesting to me that the onus is first on us to come close to God. Really, that's what we're intentional about doing over these next 21 days. We're gonna set time aside to come intentionally close to God. Let's close our eyes, bow our, uh, close our eyes, bow our heads, yeah, not 
bow our eyes and close our heads, that would be awkward. Father, I thank you that we have got the opportunity to gather in church today and learn from your word. I pray that, God, that this wouldn't feel heavy or burdensome or like a a religious task that we're about to embark upon, but instead that, God, that you would inspire us all to push deeper in our relationship and our knowledge with you. I ask that as we start our 21 days of praying and fasting tomorrow, that as we do it, that, God, as we draw near to you, as we intentionally take a step closer to you, that we would find you, that we would feel you, that we would sense your presence, that we'd be aware that you're near and that God, that our relationship and our faith life with you would be as strong as it's ever been as a result of all of our commitment and wanting to pursue after you at the end of these 21 days, we pray. Amen. But with every eye still closed and every head still bowed. I'm gonna pray one real quick final prayer. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or if you know that you've just wandered away, you have drifted away and today is your day that you wanna get right with God, you wanna come back to Him, you wanna put in the very first and upfront place of your life your relationship with your Father in heaven because you know that He loves you and He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for you and you want to become a Christian today, you want to reconnect your life with Him, then pray this prayer after me right now. Father in heaven, I come to you today and I believe that you're real. So come and live in my heart. Come and live in my life. As I ask for your forgiveness, for all the things that I've done wrong, and choose to believe in the power of the cross so that from this point forward, I will know you in a real and authentic way. Be the Lord of my life, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.